0: In the Old Testament, Jesus, God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew you. In the New Testament, Jesus says, Let the little children come unto me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. So guess what that means for us today? When people talk about the murder of unborn children, it should grieve us. And we should be able to stand in the gap for them. Because that's what Jesus would have done. He loved children then, and he loves children now.
1: Today I want to talk to you about the myth of godlessness. It's pretty common today for people to say, I don't believe there's a God. What is the main reason that people say this? They say it because the Bible teaches us that God created us, and if God created us, then He has some things to say about the way that we live our life. So I believe the chief reason why people say that they believe there is no God and choose to embrace atheism is because they do not want to be responsible to that God. If God doesn't exist, I don't have to be responsible to Him for the way that I live my life. And the fact of the matter is, whether we believe that there is a God or not... We are responsible to him. And thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have a personal relationship with him. Joseph Addison said, to be an atheist requires an indefinitely greater measure of faith than to receive all the great truths which atheism would deny. So let's look at the gods that people serve. The first one I want to highlight for you is self if we could turn to second Timothy 3 1 to 7 second Timothy 3 1 to 7 Paul is in the business of encouraging and exhorting and so he is giving Timothy some advice this is this is Paul's final letter uh, that he wrote before he was executed by tradition, um, by the Emperor Nero, beheaded. But before he did, he wrote some final words to the Apostle Timothy. And in Second Timothy 3, 1-7, he says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, petty, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, and never able to come to knowledge of truth. Now there's a lot here, but the main thing I want to highlight is that phrase, lovers of self. Because I think a lot of the other things in this passage come from being a lover of self. Many of us say, I want to do what I want to do. But the Bible tells us, let each just seem other better than themselves. We say, I can make the most of my life. And God says, for it is God who worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. So, all that to say that God's plan for us is much different than what the devil's plan for us is. The devil would have us to believe that that self is the most important thing and that whatever I can do to make things better for myself, that will make things better overall. But the Bible indicates that we live in a society that works best when we think of others. God outlined in the scriptures the way that he wants the family to run. the family was God's finan- fund- fundamental institution. So he outlined how God he wanted the family to run. He outlines how he wants the church to run and he outlines how he wants society to run. Society is only as strong as its family. And that is one of, actually one of the biggest things that I am passionate about, is to see families return to the blueprint of God's Word. And there are plenty of people out there who have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They may think that the principles of Christianity can apply to everyone across the board, but the reality is unless you have been regenerated by the holy spirit of God the things in this book will mean little to nothing to you because the holy spirit is the one that guides us into all truth I wonder if we could look at a cross reference of 2 Peter 3 verses 3 to 7 2 Peter 3 3 to 7 one of the gentlemen could read that for us when they arrive there. That would be helpful to me.
0: Know first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and Of creation. But when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, to which the world at that time was destroyed and flooded with water.
1: And what did Jesus say? He said, As the time of Noah, so shall the coming of man be. He didn't tell us when. He said no man knows the day or the hour, but he said as the coming of the Son of man as as the days of Noah so shall the coming of the Son of man be. So we know that it's closer. And one guarantee that we know is that no matter when it happens, it's one day closer than it was when we went to bed last night. And so we can rejoice in that. But again, the key is to be ready and to Embrace Jesus as Savior. Because because we're going to serve somebody. We're made to serve. Uh, Bob Dylan wrote a song once where he said, you've got to serve somebody. It may be the Lord or it may be the devil, but you've got to serve somebody. We are made to serve. So the question isn't, are you a servant? The question is, what are you a servant of? Arnold H. Glasgow had this to say. He said, Glass brothers, glass blowers, glass blowers will never produce anything as fragile as the human ego. I don't know if you've ever watched glass blowing before, but it's pretty amazing how they can take sand, heat it up, blow into it, and create wonderful glass creations but if they were try to try to use it before it before it before it cooled it would just break because when it's hot it's just goo okay the second god that we serve here in this world without Christ is the devil john 8:39 to 45 this of course the book of John is one of the most fascinating books to me because the whole book is people asking Jesus who he is, him telling them who he is, them getting mad at him, and then a little while later they'll ask him again. And he will give them the same answer, and they'll get mad anyway.
0: <laughs>
1: so John eight thirty nine says, They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man, that hath told you the truth, which I heard of God, this did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they, We be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. Jesus saith unto them, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. So Jesus is saying here, you're of your father the devil. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of righteousness. That would be in accordance to Abraham. There's another passage where he said, You say that you're Moses' disciples, but if you were Moses' disciples, you would believe me because Moses testified of me. And here he's saying, if you were Abraham's children, you you would believe me. If you were God's children, you would believe me. And he says, you are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. If this does not describe our society today, I do not know what it is. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Think about this the common refrain in today's society is I'm going to live my truth and you're going to live your truth and it's okay if they're different. What did the Bible say? Jesus said, I am the way, the
0: truth, and the life. Hebrews says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the Old Testament, Jesus God said to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew you. In the New Testament, Jesus says, Let the little children come unto me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. So guess what that means for us today? When people talk about the murder of unborn children, it should grieve us, and we should be able to stand in the gap for them, because that's what Jesus would have done. He loved children then, and he loves children now.
1: So the second God that we... Are prone to serve in this world is the God of the devil. Can we look by way of cross reverence at John 3 19 to 20? John 3 19 to 20. Again, if somebody gets there, please read it. This is the judgment that. does not come to the light, for fear that his need will be exposed. This is so important for us to understand. Men love darkness rather than light. That explains why people hate Jesus. Why? Because he said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to us, As his disciples, you are the light of the world. He told us to let our light so shine that men may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. But the devil hates light. And the devil hates us because we are God's very image. In... Thomas Adams said, self righteousness is the devil's masterpiece to make us think well of ourselves. The most dangerous thing for us is to think that we are something. Paul said, I know in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And yet he said, Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want victory in life? Trust the Lord to be your Savior. Make the God of Israel, the God of all the earth, the God of your life. Jesus died on the cross according to the scriptures, was buried according to the scriptures, and was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. That, my friends is the gospel and if you embrace it he will change you as i said earlier for it is god who worketh in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure and i've been privileged to see god work through myself and through others that i love as we submit to him are there times when it's a struggle are there times when we fail yes but god is a god of second chances God is a God of taking broken people and saying, I'm going to use you anyway. And that is such a blessing. Because if we were honest, we would realize that we are all broken. None of us is whole. There is only one whole human in the history of the world, and that was Jesus. Says there was no evil found in him, no guile on his lips. And he left us an example that we should follow. his steps. What a wonderful privilege it is to be his. The third point I want to make is that some people follow the world. For that we're going to 1st Timothy. 1st Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6, 6-10. to Paul is finishing up this first letter to Timothy and he says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we have brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, Paul is saying here that... We need to make sure that we have the right priorities. That we are content. He says, in another place, charge them that are rich in this world to be rich toward God. So it's not the riches themselves that are bad. But it's the emphasis that you put on your riches. And it's the emphasis that you put on accumulating riches. Remember, the, the man who built bigger barns to store his grain, he didn't die because he was rich. He died because instead of giving from his riches, he said, I'm going to build bigger barns. And then I'm going to stop living, basically. I'm going to retire. And I'm just going to live a life of leisure and pleasure because... I have everything. And God's answer to him was, Soul, this night, your soul will be required of you, and that what you have will be given to another. Paul said it's required among stewards that a man be found faithful. So whatever God has entrusted you with, may you be found faithful with it, may I be found faithful with it, May you realize that God is the giver of all good things. You will never find a hearse pulling a U-Haul. If you go into the ancient pyramids in Egypt, you can still find the stuff that the pharaohs were buried with, even though all you find of them is their skeletons, maybe. Has none of that stuff transferred with them to the hereafter. And the book of Proverbs chapter 30 says, surely there is a hereafter. You are an eternal being. The question is not whether you are eternal. The question is where will you spend your eternity? Two places, heaven or hell. Some people say, well, why would God send people to hell? He doesn't. He gives them the choice to go to heaven through Jesus or they choose to go to hell. So it's the most important decision you could ever make. Can we look at Hebrews 13, 5 and 6? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Somebody gets there, if you can read it, that would be great.
0: Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man?
1: He has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. You know, at the beginning of the school year, when we began at the Potter's House, he said that our theme for the year is, God is enough. And I sometimes wonder how radically our neighborhoods would change if we really lived that out. My goal over the next several weeks and months is to live out the truth that God is enough. Because he is. If God is on our side, why should we fear what man can do to us? Remember what Paul said? He said he said to live is Christ and to die is king. He said to live is great. I could serve Christ to die would be far better because I'd be with Christ so he was essentially telling the Romans hey if you keep me alive I win because I keep sharing the gospel if you kill me I win because I go to be with Christ so it's basically the best win-win situation there ever was on the face of the planet you know we hear about these TV offers Buy one get one free, or this amazing discount. But all of that pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ offers us. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, which God has prepared for those who what? For those who are perfect, for those who never do anything wrong. No, he said, for those who love Him." And Peter said, to you who believe, he is precious. So one of my questions to you this morning is, is he precious to you? And that's something that we should all be asking ourselves. Charles Inglis wrote, if you go to the banks of a little stream and watch the flies that come to bathe in it, you will notice that. While they plunge their bodies in, they keep their wings high out of the water and fly away with their wings unwet. Now this is a lesson for us. Here we are, immersed in the cares and business of the world, but let us keep the wings of our faith and love out of the world so that with these these unclogged, we may be ready to take our flight to heaven. The Christian is not ruined by living in the world, but by the world living in him. Remember, Paul said, the life I live, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. For our final passage today, I want to bring you to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, 17-21. The fourth God that people serve is their belly. Philippians chapter 3, verses 17-21. And I hope you're realizing as we go through these, that there is no true atheist. Because all of us have a God. But here's what it says in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 to 21.
0: Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body so that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself.
1: So if you look at this passage, you see um, Paul saying, be a follower of me. And of course, in another passage, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is not claiming perfection, here. What he is saying is that I have sought to follow Christ with my whole heart. So please follow me. Because there are many out there who are not worth following. And he's weeping because some of these are people that he loved. And that he was trying to bring into the kingdom. But he says they are enemies even of the cross of Christ. You know when we talk about the cross of Christ. People mock us. People think it's a joke because the Bible says that the cross is to them that perish foolishness but to them that believe it is the power of God and Paul says their end is destruction their God is their belly so again he's not saying they don't have a God he's saying their God is their belly their glory is in their shame and they mind earthly things For our conversation is heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming. We sing that hymn, marvelous message. We bring glorious carol. We sing wonderful words of the King. Jesus is coming again. But those aren't wonderful words for those who are in iniquity. For those who are dead in their trespasses and sin, He will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never now, does that mean that I've never worked iniquity? No, it doesn't. But see, my iniquities and trespasses were taken on the cross of Christ, and I claimed the blood that Jesus shed. And just as God said to the people in Exodus, Jesus said to me, "When I see the blood, I will pass over you." And when Jesus, when God looks at me, He says, "Jesus' righteousness imputed to me." So that when I get to heaven, I will be allowed to get in because I am righteous. But not because of my own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. It's all about Him. And I love verse 21. It speaks personally to me as someone who has struggled with physical disability and physical pain my entire life. Verse 21 says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like I'm... To his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. And we know that creation even groans for the return of Christ. But there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what? I'm going to run from one end of it to the other. Because I have a lot of running to, to catch up with. Because my body is going to be incorruptible. It's going to be free of pain. It's going to be free of physical Torment, there's no wheelchairs allowed in heaven. And I'm so excited about that. (coughs) Colossians 3, 1-3, if someone could read that. Colossians 3, 1-3. This is one of my favorite verses about how secure I am in Christ. This passage says, I have died and I am hid with Christ in God. There's no safer place to be than to be hid with Christ in God. Jesus said, no man will pluck you out of my hand. But in order to not be plucked out of God's hand, you have to be in God's hand. So, if I could implore you of one thing, I would ask you to submit yourself to God, climb into His hand, be protected there, because there's no safer a place. In conclusion, I'm going to read from Luke ten twenty five to twenty eight. Luke ten twenty-five to twenty-eight. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tended him, saying Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? So, and we can read on, and he will tell the story of the Good Samaritan, that the neighbor is someone who does the thing to be helpful to the people around them. Doesn't, the neighbor isn't talking about proximity. Neighbor is talking about how we treat one another. And what Jesus is saying here is that you have a limited scope. We, we tend to have a limited scope as humans. We tend to say, well, what's the minimum I can do and still be right? Remember what Peter said? How many times should I forgive my brother? And Jesus said, 70 times 7. And there's another passage that's even more challenging because it says... If your brother offends you in the same way seven times, and seven times comes to you and asks forgiveness, you should still forgive him. How radical is that? I think there's a lot of Christians who would struggle with that. But it's in the Word. So unless you want to explain it away, you have to believe it. But that's the God with whom we have to do. And if we believe that God can forgive our sins, surely we should be able to forgive the sins of others around us. I know it's hard. We all have people that it's hard to forgive. But we should forgive others even as Christ has forgiven us. When we realize how hopeless we were, we weren't just kind of bad. You know, sometimes we portray it well, we were kind of bad, and then we came to Jesus and we, we got better. But Paul says, you are dead. Dead. There's nowhere to go when you're dead. The only way to become undead is through the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit who comes to you and makes you alive in Christ Jesus and draws you close to Him where you were once afar off. I was once afar off. And as a young boy, I made the decision to follow Jesus. It hasn't always been easy. I've I've told many of you that for the first nine years of my salvation, I argued with God about the way that he made me. Much like Moses. But at the end of that period, God said, Wait a second, Andrew. Who made you? Who made your mouth? I said, Well, God, you did. Then he said, Go. Do what I tell you to do and I will give you the words to speak. And that is why I'm here today because I surrendered to him at 14 years old to preach the gospel at every opportunity. I don't always fulfill that but God is faithful and he gives me opportunities and he picks me up when I fail. And then he says just trust me. Do you trust me? So my final question to you is do you trust him? He's the only trustworthy one in the world. David said it this way, when my father and mother forsake me then the Lord will take me out. Now I'm thankful I'm thankful so much that I don't have a father and mother who have forsaken me. I'm grateful that they raised me in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Because I wouldn't be the man that I am today without them. But, even if you don't have that story, you still have a Father in Heaven who loves you more than you ever know. He numbered the very hairs on your head. Just think about that. That's amazing to me. That He knows the number of hairs on my head. I, I pray that you would come to know him in a personal way. Remember, there's a difference between knowing about God. Saul knew about God. But when it came down to it, he said to Samuel, Come away with me, that we may worship the Lord your God. Because if we don't, the people will be upset with me. But David said, Lord, you are my God. The Lord is my shepherd. I hope that you can say that today. I'm going to close in prayer and then maybe we could sing that hymn coming again. I'm not sure what the number is. Pretty sure it's in our uh, Living Hymns book. But let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. Lord, we, we learned today that everybody is serving someone. Everybody is serving some God. But Lord, I pray that today, even now, someone here, if they have not yet surrendered to you, would turn from idols to serve the
0: true and living God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.